You're tuning in to the Purpose Filled Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Banks, and I'm here to help you honor your journey and live with intention. Welcome back, you guys. I am super excited to introduce you to one of my godmothers. I have two fairy godmothers that God blessed me with, uh, and one is the amazing Miss Cammie Miller. Cammie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyra. I'm super excited to have you. I think that you're one of the most fascinating people. How did you get started as a coach? Well, I love that story because uh, I didn't even know what coaching was. Right before I started, I was uh, the outpatient coordinator for a psychiatric hospital. And um, it seemed like every time I'd be in a job, I would end up being an internal consultant. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this role as the um, outpatient coordinator. And one of my friends walked into my office. And most of my life, I've been in some form of goal setting, either a group or a partnership or whatever, and just always looking at goals, tracking goals, making sure that when things were standing in the way, I had some support, recognizing and removing barriers. So he rushes into my office. You know, people don't run into a psychiatric hospital to talk to me. Right? So he rushes into my office. He said, I just read an article about coaching and everybody who's in business needs a coach and, and I need a coach. And I'm like, John, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, coaching, I need a coach. And this was back in 92. Mm-hmm. So coaching was pretty much an unknown craft at that time. I had never heard of it. And uh, I said, well, John, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, uh, I need a coach and, and, and you'd be a great coach. I said, John, I don't even know what that is. I said, what does a coach do? And he says, well, they hold you, help you be accountable, and they help you set better goals, and they help you stretch. I'm like, well, I could do that. Yeah. He goes, yeah, you'd be great. Will you coach me? And after saying no three times and him not <laughs> accepting, I said, okay. And he said, well, how much will you charge me? And I just came up with $75 off the top of my head, and he goes, okay. And um, he said, when can we start? I'm like, Saturday. That's awesome. <laughs> he said, be in my office Saturday. So I started, and I already had a small counseling business at Mm -hmm. that time. I was a psychiatric nurse. And um, I discovered that I loved coaching because coaching is all about that individual strength and the magic of that individual. And so I pretty much transitioned all of my counseling clients to coaching and um, coaching ever since. That is phenomenal. That's literally how I became a coach. There was a a woman, she heard me speak. She said, you're going to coach me. I was like, I'm not a coach and I'm not ready to be a coach yet. She was like, I'm going to pay you and you're going to coach me. Well, in that case. It's like, okay, well, I'm a coach. And welcome to my coaching practice. So tell us about your passion. You know, how did you discover this purpose inside of you to propel people forward? Well, ever since I was a a small child, I was always fascinated with people. Mm Mm-hmm. And behavior, and and why did why why did that person do that? Or what was that person thinking? I'm talking about four years old, you Come know, on. just looking at people and studying because I knew there had to be a purpose to the way people behaved. And so, um, as I, you know, moved through life, studying people mm-hmm. um, became a little more formal when I was old enough to take psychology classes and that type of thing, and. I come from a long line of optimists. That's powerful. (laughs) My mother and father were both optimists. All of us are optimists. I remember when my sister wrecked my father's prize Lincoln Continental, 
my brother and my father were looking at it in the driveway, and my brother goes, well, Dad, we don't have to fix the radiator leak now. <laughs> and that's sort of an example of how we were just always optimistic. It was, it was always there was a better outcome, even if we didn't see it. That is powerful. And so in being that, I hold that optimism for people, too. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there's goodness in people. Sometimes it's hidden under a lot of bull hockey, but but people have a goodness inside of them and, and a strength and a magic inside of them. And so as a coach, I'm able to believe in people when they don't necessarily believe in themselves. And I'm able to help them to see the magnificence of the person they are. And you have a true gift at doing that because you have seen me, you know, basically grow up in my womanhood uh, and as a professional. Uh, and you've coached me along the way. And one of the things I think is, is so powerful that you have, I could come to you crying, you know, Cammy, my heart is broken. You know, X, Y, Z and I are, bro- are broken up and my career's in the dump. And, you know, and you're like, oh, you'll get it together. You'll find your gift. You help people hold their water. What do you do when the water gets heavy for you? Well, I'm very blessed, but I think my attitude toward life is probably the key. And, you know, my attitude toward life is, well, uh, this must not be what God has for me. Yeah. So, you know, when I get a no, um, it might disturb some people. I'm sort of like, well, then I can't wait to see what, what's there. You know, it's like the, the kid that, that wants a pony for Christmas and he goes into a room and it's full of horse manure yeah. and he starts digging and says, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. Yeah. So it's like, clearly. <laughs> so, so I always believe that, you know, if it's not my outcome, then there isn't, you know, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Amen. Even how if it doesn't look like that. And this is a little bit off topic, but when you found the love of your life, how did you have peace about, you know, sometimes after divorce, we think, I'm not touching that again. I hear you. How did you get peace about, this is the love of my life, I'm going to take the leap? That's a good question. Um, Because I had a lot of practice at what was not the love of my life. (laughs) Right. All right. Uh, uh, Somebody goes, you were married three times. I'm like, I'm no quitter. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, I don't give up. Um, But I learned a lot with each of those relationships. And I became the woman I am Mm -hmm. with each of those relationships. So now when my love has an issue around, you know, a past relationship, I'm like, I wouldn't be the person you love if it, if it hadn't been for them. Yeah. And so the, the rightness of it was so powerful that it sort of shocked me because I had been in, struggled in relationships uh, so many times and it was just, it was just easy. It was just clear that this is where God wanted me. Yeah. So I was able to go, okay. It's Isn't time. that kind of scary? It was It was like, oh, so this is what you've been getting me ready for. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what it's supposed to feel like. That's right. And, and so, you know, a lot of times young people are in a hurry to get that, that relationship. You know, get there. And, and I always say, you know, it's, this, is, this is not a destination. Mm-hmm. This is a journey. And if you're not enjoying the journey, you're not going to be happy when you get to the destination. Now, come on. That is powerful. Tell us about the projects that you have. I know you have um, it's Power of No. Power of No. Uh-huh. Coming up. Tell us about that. Well, people often will say yes for numerous reasons. People don't have a great relationship with No. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They don't have a great relationship with telling other people no. And they don't have a great relationship with telling themselves no. Come on. So they end up overextending. They end up, you know, some of them are like me and just think we can bilocate. And if we got two meetings at the same time, we'll just send both of us. Right. And we have to learn. No, we've got to pick. And what people often don't understand is every time you say yes, you're saying no. Yes, that is powerful. I had to learn that with money because every time I say yes to the shoes, I'm saying no to my retirement. And every time I say yes to give money away, which is like one of my worst habits, I'm saying no to my child's future, right? I'm mm-hmm. saying no to my savings account. I'm saying no to something I might enjoy doing, like actually, you know, going to the spa. So every time we say yes, we're also saying no. But I don't think we like to look at it that way. Well, we still, we live in an abundant world. hmm Right. And we need to embrace that abundance. We need to be in gratitude for that abundance. But we also don't need to be foolish. Yes. About the abundance. And so it's like if you if you're going to go to dinner, if you're going to go to dinner with this friend, you're probably not going to be able to go to dinner with this friend. Yeah. All right. And uh, Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, talks about who's in your room. I like that book. That's a book to check out. <laughs> and so he says, you don't want people in your room because they don't go away. Yeah. So you'd be picky about who you let in your room. You have a door, a doorkeeper, you know, a gatekeeper for yeah. your room. And so when you say yes to people in your life, you're actually saying no to some other things. And so you just have to be smart about what you're saying yes to. And in some cases, you have to be strong enough to say no when you need to. Why do we as women struggle with saying no? Well, we're, we're raised from a young age um, to be not necessarily compliant, but to be demure. Yeah. And part of that's old-fashioned, who's going to want you if you're strong? Yeah. And, and strong women do often threaten men. And so I tell women all the time, if your strength threatens your man, you need a stronger man. Yes. <laughs> I love it. My my friend, she used to always say, you know, guys would say, oh, you're a handful. You're a lot to handle. And she said, I just needed a man with bigger hands. And she finally, she finally married, I mean, perfect guy for her. And uh, that I, I found that was the thing that I fell in love with about him. She would sing. It would annoy her ex-boyfriend. But with him, he would say, look at Sweet over there making, making noise, you know. He would laugh at everything that she said. He adored her. He was a man with bigger hands. He could handle her personality. Yeah, celebrate the strong woman you are. Don't try to suppress you. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I tell, especially women who are very strong, I'm like, yeah, you scare most men, so don't fool with, you know, don't have anything to do with most men. Yeah, you're, amen. You're looking for a very special man who's not scared by a woman who's comfortable. That's you know, powerful. Powerful thing that um, that a man once told me was, you know, I'm, I'm threatened because you don't need me. Mm. And I said, so do you want me here because I need you? Or do you want me here because I want to be here? Ooh. I like it. What about when you're raising strong kids, though? Well, you have to remember that eventually they're good. that's going to be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, today. <laughs> today, I will shake you. It could be hard. I remember a lot of times I have a very, very strong niece. She's a wonderful woman. And growing up, she would give my sister fits. She's very strong. A lot like my sister. Mm-hmm. And my sister would just be almost pulling her hair out. And I'm like, Teresa, she's going to probably be president one day. She's just a strong, strong personality. Yeah. Celebrate that. She's not going to get into some of the trouble that other kids get into because she's going to be able to say no. Yeah. 
she's going to be able to say, I'm not doing that. And so eventually, now they're best friends, but there were times where, <laughs> where that, that strength, they because they're both strong, so they would butt heads a lot. I, every now and then, I think I need a support group for people who are raising strong-willed kids. But you know, strong kids are, are a gift. And the last thing that that we want to do is to try to suppress that strength. But we do need to teach kids who are strong how to use that strength. Absolutely. You know, we don't want to raise bullies. Uh, we don't want to raise kids who get themselves in trouble because they're so strong. Uh, we want to use kids who are champions because they're strong. Absolutely. You know, that's a part of my affirmation for my son every day. Um, he says that he's, I'm a winner, I'm a champion, I'm a child of God. Uh, and I think that that's powerful to teach them that that avenue of their, that part of their personality is really an avenue to their greatness, you know, their future, um, their influence. I love it. I love it. So with your busy schedule, because you're always teaching people, coaching people, traveling, like how are you managing this? I say yes to the things I want to do and no to everything else mm -hmm. first. And then I ha sometimes I have to pick and choose. But uh, I have a lot of bandwidth. Yes, so, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm able to juggle a lot of things, and I have great support. That is something I had to learn. <laughs> Two things you just hit on that are so powerful. One is having a lot of bandwidth. The average person cannot be a Cammie Miller, no. right? You would have on five hats in one day. Easy. Easy. And I mean, and, and just flow just as nicely. Like, hey, you know, and the rest of the world would run around like their hair's on fire. And so having a lot of bandwidth and honoring that we're built differently, right? Other people would, would um, I would hate to call it throw shade, but maybe maybe we call it, i got to find another way to say people would often doubt whether or not I could do the 10 things that I was like, yeah, I'm doing these 10 things. It's fun. I like it. And uh, people would say, oh, I don't know if you should do that or that's randomness or, you know, well, why would you take on five things? Because they are limited in their capacity. Like that's not the type of lifestyle that they would like to live. And I had to learn that, guess what? I kind of like this busy lifestyle and I can't do all of the accounting every day. Like accounting work all day, every day would drive me nuts. But if I do it on Tuesdays, I feel good. Can I bring mine to you on Tuesday? Because I don't do it at all. <laughs> but, you know, Tyra, one of the things to remember is that that sometimes people feel like you make them wrong if you're different. Uh-huh. And you're not making them wrong. If, if they only want to do two things, then just do If you want, yeah. want to do one thing, just do that. Do it well. If that's what you love, do that. Absolutely. But it's easy to wear five hats if you love all of those hats. Yeah. You know, now, sometimes it gets a little crazy, but um, if you don't love a hat, it's hard to wear one. And so you, you do have to be particular about certain things, and you have to know yourself. Absolutely. You know, I'm not super detail-oriented. So, you know, if I've got something detail-oriented that has to be done, somebody else probably should do it. That was the second powerful thing you said, support. We've got to build a team around ourselves of people who have the gifts and the strengths that we don't have. And that does take a great level of knowing yourself. Do you do your own disc analysis or like, do you go get somebody else to do it? I do my own. I'm a disc distributor and uh -huh. um, I've done probably over a thousand of them. And we're to a point now where I can almost watch somebody park in the parking lot and tell you what their, disc, <laughs> what their behavior style is. But um, it's computerized, so it's not like um, 
it's not like a self-reporting thing where you you can wiggle uh, wiggle a little bit. But um, mine has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in healthcare, I was very much a nurturer, and that stuff just doesn't fly so well in in business. Right. So I'm much more of a of a director and a promoter in business than I ever was in healthcare. And uh, most people don't change a whole lot, but I found that that was it was a situational uh, behavior style for me. Gotcha. So some strengths are pulled out when you're in certain roles. And I still I'm still very much a nurturer in in those circumstances, but it's not my default. Mm-hmm. Excellent. On the rough days when wearing five hats feels like I'm stressed out or like when you have a surgery on your foot and you're like wearing five hats is cool until you have to try to figure out how to hobble everywhere. How do you manage those days? Do you have an affirmation? Do you have certain books that you read? Um, I'm not that big on affirmations, although I think I, you know, not everybody has an internal voice. I know I do. She mm-hmm. talks all the time. <laughs> but um, I have a, you know, again, the optimism. It's like, this is going to be fine. Yeah. You know, or, oh, good. I, you know, I can't walk, so I can read this, these books I've been having stacked on the coffee table. Uh, and so I'm always, I've always got options. I've always got something I want to do. Um, I used to joke that if I ever went to prison, I'd finally get all my books read. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true optimist. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because I don't get down very often. Um, and part of that is because I, I lead a very blessed life. I don't have a lot of, of, uh, of negative in my life. Thank goodness, knock on wood, whatever. Um, but also, I have some curiosity about, you know, when something happens and it's not quite what I planned, I have two two places I go. I either go to, I wonder what God has waiting for me, yeah. all right, um, or I go to, what do I need to learn here? Amen. And what do I need to do next? And so, you know, I'll have people apologize to me, and I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be, don't be sorry. Uh, I said, this is, this is a good thing. And I once had a boss, and I used to tell him that, you know. And I said, I'll end up wherever I need to be. And one day, he, um, he was restructuring the company, and he had to let me go. Mm-hmm. And he called me in. He said, Cammie, he says, look, I, I don't know how to tell you this. And he just offered me a promotion about two weeks before. <laughs> but he says, you know, I'm looking at the company. We're restructuring, and, and, and I have to let you go. And I said, okay. And uh, I said, who else is being affected? And he looked at me and he said, "What?" And I said, "Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna let people go, you got to do it right." So you, <laughs> he was probably more broken up about it than you. You're worried about now. How do we help take care of everybody? How do how do we make this work? And and he looked at me and he said, "Look, this is none of my business. But are you independently wealthy?" <laughs> well, at that time, I had two small children, six hundred dollars in lawyer fees oh, on wow. a divorce, a single mother. Well, a a mother whose husband would parent in his own home. Or whose ex-husband. And so I said, no, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm whatever the opposite of independently wealthy is. <laughs> and I said, but, you know, I'm going to end up wherever I need to be. And he mm. said, you know, I've heard you say that before, but I never thought you really meant it for you. Yeah. And I said, well, if I don't mean it for me, how can I even say it to anybody else? That's powerful. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm ready to know where I need to be here. But most of the time, the, it's... 
it's very unusual that that something gets me down. In fact, I'll get home and I get, how was your day? I'm like, it was good. And one day says, do you ever have a bad day? <laughs> and I said, well, sometimes bad things happen, but by the time I get home, it's not a bad day. That's a powerful mindset to be in. Were there ever any challenges in your life that challenged what you felt was the core of that? Um, when my kids were five and two, and I made a decision that I needed to divorce their father, that rocked me. That was one yeah. of the hardest things I did. Not because uh, of, of our relationship, he and my relationship, but because of what it would do to the kids. But I also knew that if, you, if you're in a relationship that's, that's damaging, yeah. it's better to leave it early. You know, if the kids are two, that doesn't hardly affect them at all. If right. the kids are 10, part of who they are gets torn away. And so I realized, i, I got to do this now. And it was really difficult to do, um, not not paying the bills, not raising the kids, none of that, but just concern about how is that going to affect their life and their view of relationships and, and marriage. And so that was probably the, one of the hardest things for me, but it worked out really well. That's good. And I mean, you have awesome kids. So <laughs> Thank you. It sounds like it did. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and talking with us. I'd love to know, how do we keep in touch with you? Well, I'm on Facebook, Cammie Miller. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I respond to messages. And uh, my email address is Cammie, 70879 at Gmail. Super easy. And I love it. Drop, you know, that's the... the um, that's the P.O. box. That's the zip code of my P.O. box. And so I can remember it. And um, I'll answer emails. And, and typically, you know, somebody calls and says, I want coaching. How much is it? I say, let's have coffee. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait to sharpen up my nose skills with you. <laughs> and so I definitely want to post that uh, on social media so that the Purpose Field community can tap into the power of no. I'll send you a little, a little blurb of information on it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's a wrap, guys. Thanks for listening to the Purpose Filled Podcast. To learn more and join our community, visit thepurposefilledwoman.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.